and the non-believers shall be cast out from the kingdom of heaven and struck down by the wrath of God the Almighty. We're recording. Woo. All right. It's, uh, it's another one. It's Ben, Ben, and Jesse, and we're uh, three bros chilling in a hot tub. Ready to talk about sex. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I thought you were going with that. <laughs> oh, we're not. We're not five feet apart today. We're not we five are, feet apart. We're hot, hot and ready. Oh no, down to get down. Um, this week's all about <laughs> sex. Oh, Ben, <laughs> we lost him. You all right? He there? done. He done fell out. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, lean back a little too far in my chair there. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, all right. The big one. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Um, and honestly, today I was doing research and stuff. And yeah, by research, I mean watching YouTube videos. And so I was like, Pornhub, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, not really that excited. You know, I was like expecting to be more excited for this one. And then I started watching more and more YouTube. And I was like, oh, I'm heated. I'm getting angry. Getting my blood <laughs> boiling. Ready to, yeah. to talk about it. So. I'm, I'm in all in right now. All right. So um, the, the Bible never really talks about like having sex before marriage. It says a lot about sex, but it never says don't have sex before marriage explicitly. Um, and so I guess that's where a lot of discrepancy comes from. But it seems to me that Corinthians has some guidance on this and it seems to be like quoted often um so this is kind of the one that i saw come up over and over again it's first corinthians 6 18 through 20 flee from sexual immorality every other sin a person commits is outside the body but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body um but yeah i mean multiple verses reference sexual immorality as kind of the thing to stay away from so I guess it's up for interpretation as to what that means. Um, yeah. But uh, just reading this verse by itself, uh, it's very clear just how intense God feels about sex, apparently, uh, according to Paul. Did Paul write Corinthians? Yeah. Yeah. So according to Paul. She did. God. Yeah. God <laughs> is. Um, he's particularly against sex or I guess obsessed with sex. Um, and then this other one, so this is, these are my two verses. I got that one and this other one from Corinthians. And it's also from 1 Corinthians 7, 8 through 9. So the chapter after. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And boy... Did that one surprise me? And uh, I was talking to my girlfriend about this, like leading up to this. And I was like, you know, even for someone who was raised religious, this one shocked me. Like, reading this verse, I was really floored because we've had the conversation several times about like, do people have sex or sorry, do people get married just to have sex? And I'm, I'm like firmly, no, that nobody is that stupid. And then I read this verse and I was like, oh, it tells them to do it. Oh no. 
Oh man. You have have to file a joint income tax form before you can lay in a bed with a woman. Yeah. It's gotta be uh, legal (laughs) in the eyes of the law. Wait, wait. So are you saying that your government has more of a spiritual say over the heart, the actions of your heart than God does? I'm just memeing here, but I I mean, (laughs) it seems, it seems that way. It seems Paul, that Paul feels that way at least. Well, for as strongly as the Bible feels about sex, it appears that people do not feel so strongly. Uh, Pew Research in 2019 conducted a study and found that 50% of evangelicals thought that casual sex with two consenting adults was sometimes or always okay, uh, which is way higher than I thought would actually admit it. And 33% of that 50 was for the always. So 33% of Christians believe that it's always okay, like regardless of circumstance, Um, which is again, surprising, but not as surprising at this next step. And this one comes from Urban Faith. It's like a publication online or something. So take it with a grain of salt. But that sounds like a like um, summer program missions project <laughs> based out of Pennsylvania. Oh. Um, but eighty percent, according to this website, eighty percent of millennial age Christians have sex or have had sex outside of marriage. Of course. So. Right. Yeah. Of course. Of course, I have. How? How? how, how many? Eighty percent. Eighty percent. Okay. Yeah. So what I was thinking, I thought it was going to be a decently high number, you know, like seventy or eighty. But I thought maybe ten or fifteen would say that it's okay. I I thought there'd be like a a really great disparity between those who think it's okay and those that do it, Um, because as we'll see throughout this episode, um, there seems to be like self what's the word hatred yeah like kind of like self-hatred when it comes to this thing like they do it but they hate themselves for doing it i mean yeah even apart from christianity how we treat um sexuality and uh, like uh, like america is is it's very much rooted in self-hatred and like self-skepticism and um like creating imaginary standards for yourself that no one else is holding you to that Mm. aim to bring you down like um I don't remember the specific. I do not remember the specific stat on it, but I think it was like, uh, like the like a vast majority of people um, don't like to like see themselves during like sexual encounters, like mirrors and like lights off. And uh, it's me, are you kidding? Oh, of <laughs> course, that's true. me. It's me. That's absolutely, that's absolutely me. I don't like, um, but like being uncomfortable with yourself, even with like somebody who you know is having consensual sexual encounters with you who obviously wants to be with you but again like that has to do with a lot of self-loathing and self-hatred which we all struggle with but Mm -hmm. it's very very it's very hard to i I don't know how long how many therapy sessions you have to go to to conquer that but i'll let you know when i find out it's more (laughs) than 12 it's more than six years for me (laughs) Um, but i'm sure that like i mean being raised evangelical that really i can't speak to everyone else but that amplified it for me especially like oh absolutely because you yeah you come into your like sexual awakening 
without being able to discuss it, explore it, mm-hmm. ask questions about it, um, feeling uh, sick because you're having these thoughts and these questions. And mm-hmm. I mean, masturbation, like, can anybody remember whenever they figured it out? Like, <laughs> I, I had been doing it wrong for years. <laughs> but like, that's why you have such a high rate of like porn addiction with the evangelicals, mm-hmm. which watch porn if you want to but porn addict that is that is an issue like porn addiction is absolutely a problem yeah and um but i i don't i don't have the answer for where to find the conceptual space to explore sexuality in a healthy way um for evangelicals i mean for everyone else it's easy but you know (laughs) easy to create easy to create spaces where that's a like a viable option to have a healthy sexual awakening but i do not have the answer for evangelicals i don't know yeah, I think so much of the like rhetoric is rooted in guilt and shame um, with sex in particular inside the church that yeah. it makes it difficult to even, uh, one, feel comfortable bringing it up, like even in an inquisitive way. Um, like you can't even discuss what you can't discuss, you know? Yeah. First, we're about sex. We don't talk about sex. <laughs> Basically. Well, it's, it's, it's don't talk about sex, but I mean... I, I went to a Southern Baptist church growing up, though. So, um, there, there definitely was the environment of like the like the boys will be boys thing. So like, it, you're supposed to feel shame about it, but if like if two teenagers from the youth group hook up, it, it, I, you, you didn't see much backlash except towards the girl, which is sad and. <laughs> I mean, anybody with two eyes is aware of that double standard throughout, you know, in, in most social circles that you're going to come across. Um, but that that one was very strange for like me because I was like, well, I, I can't do anything with anybody and I am too anxious to even try. So <laughs> where do yeah. I go? What do I do? <laughs> you will find me in the corner on the big back chair. Yeah, I'll just keep wa- <laughs> I'll just keep watching X-Men 2 over and over. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's quite a lot to unpack in that statement. And I do want to get to the double standard. Um, but I think we can segue into that with another double standard, which is like, it depends very much on who you are as to how it's treated within the church. Um, mm-hmm. Like if you're a member of the church, then like those two kids that hooked up in the youth group, it's going to be looked at very differently within that church as opposed to like other churches looking at them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like churches will like pit themselves against each other. Like if it happens under their roof, they're way more lenient, but like they also really like to judge from the outside. Of course. I love it. So. Youth group drama hits different. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also not even that. It's like, it's like an in-group, out-group thing. Whereas, yeah. you know, if, if they're in the youth group, then it's kind of okay, I guess, because at least they're talking to Jesus, but like those heathens outside the youth group that are just like, you need to get people. married first. Yeah. Like, and they get married at 19. Right. Have oh, a baby gosh. at, you know, God makes me so sad. <laughs> I mean, but like, I totally get where they're coming from based on this verse, first Corinthians seven, eight through nine, like that I read. Yeah. It's just literally telling them it's better to get married than to have sex before marriage. Like that's yeah. unbelievably well, like, like terrible when when you said you wanted to talk about sex i i started thinking i was like okay well we we always try to tie in an element of like what do we tell evangelicals 
you know, from mm -hmm. different perspectives on the spectrum of spirituality that we're on. And I don't have, like, I don't have even a, like a viable opinion to give that makes sense for an evangelical. Like my opinion is like, I'm going to say if I had, a, if I have a kid, right. I'm going to, as a, as, as a parent, this is how I feel. Um, I would, I mean, I would hope that I'm raising a child well, well enough and open enough that they would be, they would feel comfortable coming to me with like questions about that. And um, that comes with like vocabulary and usage and being open about your, like your own experiences and stuff like right. that with who you're trying to raise. And so, yeah. but for an evangelical, so like, oh, sorry, let me go back. So for me, like if my kid comes to me and it's like, I want to be sexually active, or I'm thinking about being sexually active, or I'm having those urges to be sexually active. Obviously, you have the whole conversation about consent and you know environment, and are are you safe? And who you know, do you feel safe with this person? And so for me, I'm like, I think it's healthier to guide someone through that process rather than letting them explore that on their own. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, I probably would provide contracep contraceptives to like people that I know that are being sexually active and that includes like my family. Right. Mm -hmm. And having the conversation about how to use certain products and stuff like that. Um, go, you know, learning sexuality through pornography is destructive to how right. you view yourself and how you view other people's bodies. So like, I don't know mm -hmm. the health, I don't know the health, the answer. I'm like, I'm throwing spaghetti at the wall here. Cause I have no answer. Yeah. You, you bring up a lot of good points there. Um, just one I think we're all in agreement on is like the sex education in our country is uh, laughable to say the least. Yeah. And uh, it's such a shame because so many people would benefit from better sex education. Everybody would. Um, and yet it's things like abstinence only teachings that kind of keep us from getting there. Um, it's really in my mind, that's the only thing keeping us from, better sex education is people that aren't afraid of sex. Right. Um, and I do want to devote the end of this podcast to just kind of figuring out, like, cause I think we're all in the same boat. It sounds like as far as like, we don't really know where to go uh, for the future of evangelicals, how they can positively integrate sex into spirituality um, or at least take a stance that is not so destructive because um, that's my biggest issue like if you don't want to have sex before marriage whatever like i don't care it's oh, yeah. like imparting that belief on others that bothers me because it is so psychologically destructive i just want you to know what to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like sex education provides all like avenues that we can all work towards a common goal so like my goal isn't to reduce the rate of sex but sex education has been shown to reduce the prevalence of sex at younger ages because you know you don't have to go out and do it and explore in dangerous situations to know what it is to know what it's about like you were educated on that topic. like sex education whenever it's implemented reduces um, unwanted pregnancies it reduces the rate of underage sex it reduces um i think it was i think the other category was just risky behavior, risky sexual behavior, um, which are all things that I would agree with an evangelical on. Like those are, now those are their primary goals. My primary goal is to implement the education, but right. like 
there's overlap, but I don't know how an evangelical would helpfully explore their sexuality without like uh, harmful repression and repression. So I mean, I said this before we started, like se being sex positive does not mean being sexually active. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I think evangelicals could be sex positive without being sexually active, but I don't know from their perspective or from their teachings, what that would look like. Right. There's not exactly a lot of precedent for that. Right. I could hear a youth pastor in my head be like, Song of, you know, the Bible's current kind of risky. It's got a song of Solomon's in there talking about all the, I'm trying to relate to kids. But I, one day a youth pastor is going to stand up in front of a room of, a room of sixth graders and just go, don't worry guys. I masturbate just like you. Like they're going to do it. Like what, <laughs> someone's going to make the mistake one day. And like, it's, and they're going to get arrested and it's just, it's, oh, it's going to be a mess, but they're going to do it. And like, it's, from every perspective, but a traditional, like traditionally religious one, I would have some stat, some figure, some table, some opinion, you know, some sort of article, like scientifically founded article on, you know, the outcomes of sex education. But for evangelicals, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I find it harmful, but. Well, I think the issue that we're running into here is that in order to change this mentality, we would have to change something that is viewed as fundamental to the religion. Um, so we would have to like really change the core of, of Christianity in America um, in order to make these changes. And I think that's why it's so difficult. And that's why we keep coming into the same problems and without a real way to solve them. Yeah. I mean, it's just destructive, and I think something that kind of, kind of just breaks your heart, you know, um, is watching. Like I've got friends that I made back when I I wasn't evangelical, who are still my friends because we have a history. So that relationship is, you know, important, and you want to you want to keep those connections. And most of them just hate themselves when it comes to sex. So when it comes to like their bodies, like they don't like there's the fear of exploration, or like just yourself, like, and there's, and even in like being raised as an evangelical, like that's still there. Like there's still the, you know, I don't, uh, if I walk past a mirror after I get out of the shower, I'll like turn my head and be like, no, it's, <laughs> don't look at it. It's bad. Mm -hmm. And like, stare at it and stare back. Or it, it'll see me. It'll see you if you look at it. But like, you just, and it breaks my, it really does break my heart because like I have friends of mine who are evangelicals who get married and even then like having these conversations with them because they know like, I, I, you know, I'm not going to judge you if you come to me and be like, sex makes me uncomfortable because I hate myself. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> get in, like get in, welcome to the club. And yeah. um, so I've had conversations, I could like two come to mind of friends of mine who are evangelicals who get married and even after they get married, they're like, we, we like a year later and there's like I, I still can't like I don't like I, I just get so nervous I can't and I'm like yeah that's real and like first of all you shouldn't feel ashamed of that that is a completely natural reaction to your upbringing but like that's heartbreaking to me because you lose out on so much and not everybody wants to be sexually yeah. active some people are asexual and that's perfectly fine some people are asexual who are sexually active and that's perfectly fine but like it just hurts because you're losing out 
on a part of your life that you might want to explore. Like if you have mm-hmm. that curiosity, but your anxiety refuses to allow you to live that part of your life with someone that you love who also wants to like explore that with you. Mm-hmm. That is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can't think of a better word than heartbreaking. It's uh, sickening is another word I would use that, uh, <laughs> that, this, is, <laughs> that this is part of uh, just accepted culture in religious circles, you know, um, mm-hmm. to just deprive people of a, a part of themselves and uh, not even that, to not even just say, you know, you can't have this part of yourself. It's you can't even explore it. You can't think about it. You can't talk about it. Yeah. The um, thinking about it is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, the Bible says thinking about the sin is the same as the sin or whatever. So um, that again, makes people feel like they, they aren't allowed to even have a space within their own mind to, to think about this. And yeah. uh, I can't even begin to get into how diabolical and manipulative that is. Um, Lord, remove yeah. these thoughts from my head. Are you, yeah. Do you know how many times I was at the altar praying that? Like, oh, yes. Oh yeah. Every I, Sunday, every Sunday, every Su- Sunday, Monday service, Wednesday Bible study, like <laughs> Saturday lock-in, everything, every single D now, every every D, yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah, every single D now, I changed as a person fundamentally. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But like, and, and for me, it had more to do with like sexuality. So like going up there and being like, Lord, please don't, ha- please make me not gay, and like you know, <laughs> and she's looking down at you like, uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> And, why are you um, looking at me? I didn't do that. Why, why are you looking at me? I, I didn't do that. Like, you know, I'm hiding something behind her back. Like, I didn't, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> but like, it's such a strange thing because I, and I know you'll, I know you guys will know, like being raised that way, you know, the other people your age around you are thinking the exact same things, but you can't talk about it. That's the weirdest part. Even if there's no adults around, it's the weirdest thing. You still can't talk about it. It almost makes you feel like they're not thinking about it because, like, there's this weird unspoken thing where we all know we can't talk about it, so we all pretend to not think it, and then, <laughs> mm-hmm. in some weird way, I'm like, "Wait, are they really not thinking about it?" Yeah. So, it's like uh, the game. We lost the game, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, the only way we get through this is if we don't through think you, about man. it. <laughs> through you, I went years. But it's like the same thing. Like yeah. we're all collectively not thinking about the one thing that we're all thinking about, mm-hmm. but we're thinking about not thinking about it. And right. Like, and over years, like far. it, it goes from like, it, I mean, it turns into trauma after years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, ab- yeah. it's absolutely. And yeah. not even like residual trauma straight up, like still to this day mm-hmm. trauma, like, mm-hmm. um, and it's not, you know, you're not sitting in a corner shaking, but uh, you can't be like intimate with your partner because you just had a flashback to your Sunday school teacher getting in your face about like, if you think about it, God knows. And you're like, ah, um, and, like, I, weird at that I, right. It's very strange. And like, I even know like, um, like atheist friends of mine who were raised evangelical, but are now atheists who are still like, I still get anxiety. Over it. No, that's me, dude. Right yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's bad. Like, cause you put yourself in dangerous situations when you get the opportunity to explore that and you uh, explore that with people who don't have your best interest at heart, um, who maybe aren't even, even if they're not seeking out to hurt you emotionally, if they're not, they don't have your best interest at heart, if they're not thinking about how do I take care of this person during this exploration, 
that can be a very, very scary and scarring experience later because you don't learn how your body deserves to be treated. Like you deserve to know what you like and what you don't like when it comes to the physical sensations of your body. And it hurts to know that there are people out there who deny themselves even the opportunity to learn about themselves in that way and have the respect. They weren't taught the respect to be able to stand up to someone or even just communicate that to someone like, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. Like, and not even like sex, it could just be like cuddling. Maybe, maybe somebody's like, I love to cuddle, but they're so afraid of physical intimacy that they're like, they won't tell their partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sad. So I, that, that's kind of a good, good segue into uh, our not sponsor for today, which is <laughs> <laughs> good Christian sex. Why chastity isn't the only option and other things the Bible says about sex. Um, Lit. Bromley Mc. All right, so this is her. I'll, I'll, put, it, I'll, <laughs> just so I'll, you can I'll see put it in the episode description. Yeah, Bromley McClingon. McClingon. It's, it's a very. McClinahan? Sure, yeah. Um, McAllister's? <laughs> either, either way, very good book. I recommend it to anyone looking to uh, start thinking about sex in a different way. Um, yeah. And she is. Uh, she definitely comes at it from a, a religious perspective, and I would consider it a, a Christian book for sure. Um, and one of the, th- the big themes in this book, uh, Jesse kind of hit on, um, is the ethics of sex, the, the respectfulness mm-hmm. and the do unto others as you have them do unto you uh, during yep. sex. And so I think... Um, I think through this book and through looking at some of the elements of Christianity, they can help have a better Mm -hmm. sex life, open communication, self-respect, respect respect of other people's bodies, your body is a temple or whatever is that saying. Um, But I think somewhere along the way that we've talked about up until now, it's been misconstrued until like don't have sex instead of, have sex when both of you are ready and you're going in respectful of each other and you want the best for that person and sex is an outlet for that. Yeah. I have a fun question. Yes. What building is your body? Uh, I would say it's a YMCA. It's a YMCA. It's a YMCA from the seventies. All, all the boys that do have fun. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> No one knows quite what's going on, but stuff's going down. I think mine's a um, Sherwin-Williams paint shop. Mm. <laughs> I can get behind that. Yeah, the color of I mean, the day. The color of the day is uh, uh, colon pink. Yeah. Solid, solid. <laughs> solid. I'm going with uh, with Backstreet's Pub. Backstreet's <laughs> Pub. <laughs> Triple T's. <laughs> Triple T's, yeah. Triple T's. Oh, goodness. <laughs> because I'm tired. <laughs> Wait, yeah, what, what was that? Huh? I'm tired. Thanks for listening to Not As Christian is When We Started. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Pocket Cast, or Anchor FM, be sure to share that link. Our email will always be in the description, and we are happy and willing to take any questions you may have. And remember, if you enjoyed today's episode, my name is Jesse, and if you hated it, my name is Ben.